gospel for this Sunday comes from Luke chapter 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to give him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the dining room of my grandmother's small home in Monroe, not far from here, was a painting. I thought it was a painting anyway, all my life I thought it was a painting, until this week when I looked, up, looked it up and discovered it's actually a photograph taken in 1918 and colorized in the 1940s. It depicts an elderly man at a table, a man with a big white beard, sitting with a small loaf of bread and a bowl of soup and a very large Bible with his glasses on the Bible. The man sits with his elbows on the table with his hands folded and his head resting on his hands. I'm guessing that at least some of you, and I can see from the nodding, have seen this photo. It's called Grace. With the power and subtlety only an image can have, this picture taught me something. This is what prayer looks like, it said. Every time we gathered for dinner at my grandma's house, there was the man. <laughs> this is how you pray. It turns out that there is a story behind the image, as there almost always is. In this case, the man in the photograph is a Minnesota resident named Charles Wilden, who earned a pretty meager living selling small goods door to door and lived in a sod house. The book in the photo, it turns out, is actually a dictionary, not a Bible. I was kind of crushed when I found that out. And historians who have tried to find out more about Wilden's life have discovered very little, except that stories about him in the community where he lived centered more on his drinking and not accomplishing very much, and nothing at all about the kind of piety you might expect from looking at the photograph. Other than that, we know nearly nothing about him not even when he died or where he's buried. 
Now, my own images of and experiences with prayer changed long before I discovered all that about the man in the photo. Presiding over my childhood Christmas dinners with his carefully folded hands and eyes shut tight. But still, it's a little jarring to learn that something you've always assumed to be true is not quite what you thought. Or that something you thought you knew is a lot more complicated than it seems. I wonder if that's how the disciples felt when they asked Jesus for some tips on how to pray. After all, John had taught his disciples, so why couldn't Jesus do the same for them? And Jesus gave them both a pattern of prayer and a story. Now, the pattern is one we are pretty familiar with, most of us in church, or many of us anyway, although we've added a lot to it over the years. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day what we need, our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive those who will owe us debts. And do not bring us to a time of trial. So far, so good. Amen. But then there's a story. There almost always is with Jesus. And those stories almost always remind us that something we thought we knew is a lot more complicated than it seems. Suppose, says Jesus, you have a friend. And you go to that friend at midnight because you have an unexpected guest who's shown up to your house and you weren't prepared, so you have nothing to offer. So you go to your friend's front door and you knock loudly and ask for some bread. Your friend will probably, understandably, ask you to go away because it is midnight and everything is put away for the day. Perhaps this could wait till breakfast. But you keep at it, knocking on the door, asking for bread. You won't stop until finally, even if your friend doesn't want to get out of bed for the sake of your friendship, simply because of your shamelessness, will finally get up and give you what you need. So, says Jesus, ask, and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock, and knock, and knock, and knock, and knock, and the door will be opened. Prayer is a complex thing. Many of us in faith traditions, not just Christianity, Many of us have wondered at some point how to pray. How do we do it? How do we do it right? What do we say? How do we listen? What does it mean to hear and answer? A lot of the questions we have around prayer tend to center around that last part. Why is it that some prayers seem answered and others do not? Why is it that at least as far as we can tell, sometimes we ask, and it's not given. We seek, and we don't find. We knock, and knock, and knock, and knock, and the door remains resolutely closed. Jesus gives us a lot to digest today. And it's true any time we talk or think together about prayer. And there's a lot more that we can tackle in one sermon. 
But for me, reading the story this time around, one particular word stood out. And it's the word that we have translated in our version today as persistence. But which might better be translated shamelessness. It comes when Jesus says, I tell you, even though your friend will not give you what you need because of your friendship, because of your shamelessness, your persistence, your brazenness, your tenacity, your refusal to shut upness, you will get what you need. That's quite an image of prayer. Almost exactly, bless you, almost exactly a year ago, in August of 2018, a 15-year-old Swedish girl named Greta Thunberg began protesting outside the Swedish parliament building. She was calling for immediate action to combat climate change. She announced that she would not attend school until Sweden's general election that fall. And she sparked a movement of students participating in climate strikes all over the world, walking out of school, calling attention to their future. Initial reactions to her strike were mixed. She said herself, my teachers are divided. As people, they think what I am doing is good, but as teachers, they say I should stop. <laughs> One of those teachers said, Greta is a troublemaker. She is not listening to adults. But we are heading full speed for a catastrophe. And in this situation, the only reasonable thing is to be unreasonable. Unreasonable, shameless, persistent. About 2012, a mother and son left Iraq and arrived at a refugee camp in Turkey. Right away, the mother went to the United Nations and applied for refugee status. For the next three years, she checked regularly on the status of her application, only to be told it was not their turn, not yet. Finally, after three years, the official process began. Documentations were checked. Six months later, a series of health checks. Four months after that, they were asked if they would like to resettle in the United States. A rarity, as less than 1% of refugees are resettled anywhere in the world every year, and a much smaller number than that come to the US. For another three months, she and her son took classes to learn about the United States, and completed security background checks. Finally, they received travel plans to the United States, to Seattle, and finally to Kirkland. Here they arrived and met members of our Refugee Resettlement Committee in this congregation. They lived for a few months with a member of that committee and then moved into an apartment in Kirkland. Think about all the new things they experienced along the way, everything new learning English, making their way through the maze of social systems, housing vouchers and healthcare and employment and classes and schools, and every day a new culture. In about a week, they will move into their permanent housing in Seattle in partnership with a Seattle Housing Authority voucher and a Bill and Melinda Grant, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Housing Grant. 
That, as you can tell, is the story of Wasson and Jaffer. The refugee family, it has been our joy and honor to walk with as they resettle in the United States. When I asked the Refugee Resettlement Committee about their experience of partnering with Wasson and Jaffer, over and over again they emphasized a few things. First of all, the strength and determination, and they said, persistence that it took for them to make this long journey. And the joy that they have found as committee members in building friendships with them. Persistence, determination, knocking and knocking and knocking. A 15-year-old girl sitting outside the Swedish parliament and a mother and son making the hard, complex journey of being refugees in the U.S., they don't look anything like that elderly man presiding over my grandmother's dinners with his head on his hands. But what if all of those things are prayer? Is that what Jesus is inviting us to do today? To expand our imaginations about what prayer is and what it looks like and how to do it and how it changes us along the way. The prayer can be sitting quietly with your head on your hands. And it can also be the shameless, persistent, tenacious acts of knocking and seeking and asking in our words and our deeds. That prayer frees us to be shameless for the sake of the good of other people. Shameless in demanding what our neighbors need bread on their tables. Brazen in calling out injustices even when others around us are uncomfortable and wish we would go away. Disruptive in our search for what is right and good in this world. Some days we are the ones knocking at the door, begging for what we and our neighbors need. And some days we are the ones in bed who need to be awakened and reminded that what we have gathered so closely is meant to be shared. But Jesus has come to tell us and show us and be for us the reminder that in all circumstances, we are the children of a loving and gracious God who became a prayer in flesh and blood who became a refugee and cried out for a world broken by injustice and who shows us how to ask and seek and knock and be shameless and who says that all of it is prayer. Lord, teach us how to pray. Amen. We'll sing together our hymn of the day, which you'll find on page 10. I invite you to stand.